I remember not too long ago, there was a really cold night that led into a chilly morning. The night was so cold, the ice was caked on my car windows. I grabbed my scraper and worked feverishly to get the ice off. Now my custom is to start the car so that the heat can get going while I scrape. But when I went to turn the key, nothing happened. No lights, no heat, no power at all. So I lifted the hood and checked the battery. That was the problem. I had no juice there. So I took the jumper cables and hooked them up to my other vehicle and the car started immediately. I realized that without power, I was going nowhere. In this episode of Groundwork, we will talk about the ascension of Christ and the power to be disciples and witnesses coming from the gift of the Holy Spirit, because without Him, they were going nowhere. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney, and we are starting a new series, Scott, called Sharing Your Faith. The first thing told to the people by Jesus was that they need to share their faith. They need Mm -hmm. to make disciples. And this topic in general, sharing your faith, for some people, it's really exciting. But for others, it can be kind of nerve wracking. It's something personal, makes me nervous, makes me unsure. What do I say? What do I do? Have you ever felt like that? Oh, sure. And I I think a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people I know, including myself at times, would rather make small talk with strangers about almost anything. rather than start to try to talk about religion or their faith or do you believe in Jesus? So I think a lot of us feel intimidated. Some of us think, well, you know, I'm I'm not very articulate. I'm not, you know, well-spoken. I'm not a professional missionary or evangelist. I don't know if I can do this, but... We've got the Holy Spirit on our side, as we're going to see here. So we're all going to have various abilities, uh, strengths and weaknesses when it even comes to witnessing. But we've got somebody really important in our corner to help us. And so we're going to be talking about that. And that's exciting to know and comforting to know that we have help whenever we need it. I realize, too, that our faith has pretty much two aspects to it. One is to testify to what God did to save and redeem us. Just talk about the person and work of Jesus and what he did. And then the second is to encourage others with that good news to join the family of God. When I was a kid, we actually had opportunities to use our scripture and try to lead people to Christ. But then, you know, we stumble over our words and we learn in trial and error and things like that. But it was really those two aspects were still part of it, what God did and how that involves us. Yeah, I think as you were saying that, Daryl, I was thinking uh, we start with saying, you know, here's what Jesus did for me. But here's what Jesus can do for you. And if you accept that, then here's what he did for us, right? Right. Now now we become part of the the community of faith together. In this series here, we're going to, uh, two of the episodes are going to get anchored to two really important events after the resurrection. In this episode, we're going to look at the ascension of Jesus. And then in the third episode, uh, we're going to look at Pentecost itself. But in this one, we're going to look at the ascension. So this now is 40 days after Easter, 40 days after Jesus rose again from the dead. And he had been saying to the disciples, even before he died, this comes out really clear in John's gospel, but in the other ones too, that at some point he's going to return to the Father. He wasn't going to stick around physically on earth forever. He was going to go back. And now 40 days later, he does. 
And it's a significant part of the church calendar for Christians to remember. This is when Jesus ascended. This is when he promised to send the Holy Spirit. And not too long after, we have Pentecost. This is in Luke 24. and It comes after the road to Emmaus story. But in verse 50, uh, this is sometime later, well, 40 days later after the road to Emmaus story. When Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So Luke wrote both this account and the other account that we're going to get to in the next part of the episode. There are slight differences uh, between Luke 24 and Acts 1, but not not real significant. But the point is Jesus returned to heaven. And some people, of course, say, well, you know, that just shows, you know, how naive these people were. Heaven isn't really above us. I mean, we know that. It's in a different dimension or different realm. Okay, but you know what? Still today, when people refer to God or they say praise Jesus, they look straight up. They lift their hands to heaven. Football players, you know, look up to heaven and cross themselves after the touchdown. We still think of heaven above us. So that's no knock on the disciples. That was a symbolic way for Jesus to return to the Father. In this passage, you see that they are rejoicing and they're worshiping while Jesus is ascending. But I like what happens before that passage in the verses 46 through 49. Jesus himself tells them, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is why they're worshiping. This is why they're rejoicing. And it's also why they're remaining in Jerusalem because Jesus specifically says, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. I love that phrase. Sort of a reverse on a phrase we often say. In this case, uh, they're saying, don't just do something, stand there. (laughs) We usually say, don't just stand there, do something. But for now, Jesus says, just stand there. Wait, it's going to be 10 days, we know. Pentecost will come 50 days after Easter and 10 days after the Ascension. But it's important that they get clothed with power from on high. So you talked about a car with a dead battery at the beginning, right? This is going to be the juice in our battery. Uh, And until you get your battery charged by the Holy Spirit, you're not ready to go. So stay here and wait, and it will come. It has been promised. And that's interesting to me because it's counterintuitive. I feel like probably when they got the instructions, they may have wanted to get going. But Jesus says, stay, says wait. And it can be counterintuitive for us who feel like we have a job to do. But if we're not clear on the instructions or the how or the method, then we could actually be setting ourselves up. And so the good news is, you know, even though God knows sometimes we get impatient and it could rub us the wrong way, he knows the best way to get this witnessing done. And therefore, he's going to give us exactly what we need in order for that to happen. And so they continued to praise God. They continued to meet yep. him in the temple courts daily to make sure that they were waiting for that promise. Exactly. And this is what Jesus had said, because when Jesus, again, particularly in John's gospel, when Jesus tells the disciples he's going to go away, they're sad. Right. And why not? 
Jesus is their friend. He's their master. He's the, the glue that holds them together. So the idea, it's just like little kids, you know, when mom and dad go away on vacation or mom or dad has to go away on business. We're always sad when somebody we love isn't going to be around. And so the disciples are sad. But Jesus says, don't be sad. Your sadness will turn to joy because it's for your good that I go away. If I don't go away, then I can't be replaced by the Spirit. So when I go away, I will make sure that I will still be with you through the Spirit. So I really will still be with you by the Holy Spirit. But we want to look a little bit more at this Ascension idea and look at the classic text that we use for Ascension Day. And that's from Acts chapter 1. And we'll look at that in just a moment. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. I'm Scott Jose. Uh, and Daryl, we're talking about Jesus' ascension into heaven 40 days after he rose again from the dead. And we just looked at uh, the briefer account of that. Actually, it's not a whole lot briefer, but a little bit briefer from the very end of Luke's gospel. Luke, of course, still uh, wrote the book of Acts. And so he tells a story again for us in Acts chapter 1. So starting at verse six, it reads, then they gathered around him, asking him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. You know, we, we talked earlier, Daryl, where uh, Jesus said, you know, don't just do something, stand there, wait until you are clothed with power from on high, which ultimately is going to be in 10 days at Pentecost, which again, we'll look at in the third episode of this four-part series on uh, sharing our faith. But what's interesting is that it's not only that they need the juice, the power in their battery is the image we've used that the Holy Spirit will give. They're also going to need some of the clarity that the Holy Spirit's going to bring to them. The Spirit is going to finally help them connect the dots as to who Jesus is in the right way so their witness is true and accurate. And you see the need for that here in Acts 1 verse 6. It's 40 days after the resurrection, and they still say to him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? It's like they're still waiting for that political kingdom. They're still thinking Jesus is going to replace the Caesar. They still got some of those wrong ideas in their head that they had all, all along. So the Holy Spirit's going to provide power, but also clarity so that not only do you have the power to share their faith, they will get the content right finally, too. 
Yeah, and, and they will be focused on the, the main thing being the main thing. Right. The, the main thing isn't that Jesus is going to politically overthrow and be David the sequel. Right. It's actually a spiritual kingdom that comes to change the hearts of people, and that the Holy Spirit will help them to do. And so right now they're being told to wait because the Holy Spirit is going to clothe them with power from on high. And I was thinking about the word witness because he's, he says, you will be my witnesses. Two things came to mind. One of them is actually the court case. If you go take this into the lawyer, as a lawyer into the courtroom, the witness is the one that stands up and testifies under oath. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And they testify to what they've seen, heard, or experienced as as under God being, I'm going to tell the truth and tell you what I saw. And that is an accurate account that they, people around are judging to see. This is a witness that is telling the truth. Well, and the interesting thing there, Daryl, is that the Greek word for witness is the word from which we get our English word martyr. So many people along the ages got roughed up, if not killed, for their witness to Jesus that martyr became synonymous with those who died for the faith. But you don't have to die for the faith to be a literal martyr because you're just a witness. And like you said, in court, you testify to what you see. And a lot of times the people who testify to what they see in a courtroom were there because they witnessed something. They, they There was an accident at the intersection and maybe there were people standing on three out of four different corners of the intersection and they all get interviewed and they all offer slightly different perspectives. If they all saw the same accident, they're ultimately going to pretty well track with each other, though every once in a great while, somebody was in a better position to see something that the others missed. But all we can do is say what we saw. We can't go beyond that. So what we need to do, what the disciples needed to do was just say what they saw. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus promise? And now we pick up on that too. And we'll talk about some of that more in the next episode. We just say what we know. You picked up this point, Scott, on the car accident analogy where there are different people there and different vantage points who testify. And there's an officer or insurance claim or something that is trying to gather this information to get an accurate report. And if you think about it, that's exactly what Luke did Hmm. because he was not a disciple of Jesus. He did not get to follow him or witness firsthand. He had to get witness accounts of what Jesus did. And he was a historian. So he organized those facts to truly prove that Jesus is who he says he is. And he did what he said he'd do. And that's how we got these testimonials from the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And so Jesus also makes this clear in these accounts that we will be witnesses, that the disciples will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And if you look at that geographically, he's talking to Jewish guys. So that means they're starting at home. And though, even though missions are called to be both near and far, right. I guess came from a mission trip in Mississippi. And I thought it was awesome. We had people who went to Guatemala and other places. So I'm not discounting missions and going far places, but I'm saying that we also have a call to do missions right where we are, right at home. Exactly. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the uh, final part of this program, too. But that's exactly right. 
it's sort of a series of concentric circles, if you think about yes. it, you know. So here they are in Jerusalem, and then a little farther out is Judea, and a little farther out is Samaria, and then finally the ends of the earth. And we're going to see that pattern in the book of Acts, uh, that they will continue to move out. And and not always willingly. Uh, what's interesting, we're not going to talk about that in this series, but the disciples did, uh, the, uh, the apostles now, after Pentecost, they kind of stuck around Jerusalem for a while. And so what really scattered them was persecution. Right. Yeah. When when the Romans started to come down hard on these new Jesus people, you know, the way, as it was first called, that forced the people to flee. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit is very good at taking the most of every opportunity. And so by forcing them out of Jerusalem, they started to do what they were supposed to do in the first place. They go to Judea and Samaria, and all of a sudden, Philip, it's like he's getting beamed around. All of a sudden, he's by the chariot of an Ethiopian <laughs> eunuch, and then he disappears, and he gets beamed somewhere else. So uh, the Spirit had to sort of impel them outward, but that was the idea. You start where you are, and then you go from there. And then the Holy Spirit also gave them the power and the courage. You mentioned how they were being persecuted. They actually prayed for more boldness mm. so that they could do that. And that's exactly what we need to do when we're sharing our faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to give us boldness, courage, and strength. And then even bringing these things back to our remembrance is what he promised to do. So at the end of this episode, we want to look at the Great Commission and how having the privilege of sharing our faith will play into our daily lives. So stay tuned. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. I'm Scott Jose, along with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork. And we are beginning a four-part series in this episode on sharing our faith. And we've been saying, Daryl, that this is something a lot of us are intimidated to do. We're shy about doing it. We maybe think you know you need to be a professional evangelist or a full-time missionary or an eloquent speaker. But we've been saying the Holy Spirit is the energy to help motivate us and empower us. But the Spirit also gives us the words to say. And Jesus sends that Spirit after he ascends into heaven. And he also gives us, through the Spirit, the boldness to actually get it done yep. and to do it well and the way that honors God. And so we want to rewind a little bit and go back before that passage in the book of Acts and look at Matthew 28, where Jesus gives them the Great Commission. And it reads in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's where Matthew ends. He doesn't record the ascension, but that will come next, uh, obviously. But these are the marching orders. This is the Great Commission. And as Frederick Dale Bruner, the Bible commentator, points out, Daryl, this follows the story just ahead of it where the guards come and report to the governing authorities that 
Jesus rose again. I mean, he was just gone, right? And so the governing authorities pay these soldiers. They bribe them. They pay them off and say, you go out and tell the story. The disciples came and stole the body. Stole the body. Dale Bruner calls that the great counter commission, right? They're going to go out and tell the false story. So now Jesus comes in at the end to give the great commission. You go out and tell the true story. This was not grave robbery. I rose and I have all authority. So now you go and you baptize and you witness to me. What's beautiful is that when Jesus meets the disciples and he tells them to go, and there are some who worship and then there are some who doubt. And that's not unlike the world we live in here, Scott, where there are people who believe and there are people who doubt. But we still have a job to do. We still have the authority that that Jesus has given us to share our faith and make disciples. Now, when I pastored at Madison Church Square Campus, we came up with a definition of a disciple that says a disciple is one who loves and follows Jesus, becomes more and more like him in their attitudes and actions through worship, community, mission, and reconciliation, and seeks to make disciple makers who do the same. And that, to me, is really significant because the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us to do this, and Christ promises no matter what, he'll be with us through the end of the age. And, you know, I love that definition uh, that you had at Madison. I also love the other thing you you mentioned, Daryl, about the doubters, right? So we, we've said earlier in this episode, you know, some of us don't feel equipped. But you know what? Jesus commissioned the doubters to go and witness too. So in yes. other words, we sometimes think, if I don't have my act together, if I am not an eloquent speaker, I can't witness. Jesus says, yes, you can. Because those of you who are believing in me and those of you who are kind of doubting, you go too. Uh, and I'll, I'll help you. I'll, I'll, so I think that's an, an encouraging word for all of us. You don't have to be the perfect disciple. You don't have to be full of knowledge that such that nobody could ever knock you off stride with a question. No, 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 no. The power is from the Spirit. The commission is from Jesus. And we trust that God's going to give us what we need to do it. Man, when you said that, Scott, it echoed me all the way back to before Christ in the book of Exodus when Moses is making all these excuses about how he can't speak and how he's not eloquent. And God says, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And so in the New Testament, fast forward, we're getting the Holy Spirit who's going to actually help us and give us exactly what we need to share. But then I looked at. Okay, practically, what does that mean? Mm. Okay, we're at the so what part. So what do we do? How do we live this? Where do we make disciples? And how do we do it? So I think that if we think about what was said in the book of Acts, where Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and the ends of the earth. If you think about the four places that we as people spend the most of our time, I mean, we spend our time at home. We spend our time in our work, job, or campus. We spend our time in extracurricular activities and in the social networks. I mean, I've seen you know, so many people who have social network, media yep. accounts, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, TikTok. And it's great because God can use us in any of those places by the power of his spirit. And that's a nice facet that we often overlook in Matthew 28. Jesus says, go and witness. But there's a little ambiguity in the Greek verb there. It can also be legitimately translated as you are going, yes. witness. And so the idea is this isn't just specific mission trips, important though they are. This isn't just somebody you know flying off to Asia to become a full-time missionary in Japan, important though that is. This is our everyday life. You go from home, you go to work, you go to Starbucks, you go to Panera, you go to your kid's soccer game, you post something on TikTok or Facebook. As you are going, just keep telling people about me. 
And as we're going to see in the next episode of this series, that's going to include just how you behave, too. But as you go, and I really like that, witness. So that means that we're called to be a light and witness where we are and as we're going. It's our lifestyle. It's designed to help us think it's not an event. It is a way of life. So this is how we as disciples are supposed to live. We are called to be a light and witness together in community. And we do that daily. We do that weekly. We testify to what God has done. And then when we go to church, we get reminded and we get resent, recapitulated Mm -hmm. out. Hey, you're going to go out and do this again, right where you live, right where you stay, right with your neighbor. And you are encouraged to use your testimony to do that because Revelation 1911 says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and a word of our testimony. I like the word recapitulate you used for worship because that ties in with my colleague John Whitfleet's definition of worship. Of Worship is Trinitarian New Covenant renewal in which every single worship service recapitulates, repeats the story of Jesus all over again to remind us. Right. And so that this is the story that when church is done and, you know, Sunday's done and you're going to go back to school, you're going to go back to work, you're going to go back to whatever you do during the week. This is the story. So we're just reminding you, this is the story. Go out and tell it. So when Jesus ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit here to empower us to be a witness to his person and work. And we will be able to do that thanks to his power. And the friends benefited that as we're encouraged in our faith. So why not do that often? May we be salt and light wherever we go, God helping us. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with the Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we continue examining what it means to share our faith as we unpack the biblical meaning of evangelism and what it looks like in our lives today. Visit our website, groundworkonline.com, to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your host, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.